Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. At Anchor Point, our desire is for all our listeners to understand the great truths of the gospel message and about the person who makes the good news possible, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe we all in some measure have a desire to know the truth, not what you think or what I think, not opinions, but what's real, true, and lasting. Today's speaker, Jack Hay, addresses this very subject, the knowledge of the truth. Mr. Hay talks about when hearing the gospel, we need to know the truth about ourselves, the truth about the Savior, and the truth about God's way of salvation. And he also speaks about the sad possibility of sinning willfully against a truth that we do know. We trust that Mr. Hay's message today will help you to learn what you need to know about God's great plan of salvation and of how you can come into the good of it. Hebrews chapter 10 and reading at verse 26, please. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now we've been reading God's inspired word and we are confident that he will bless the reading of Holy Scripture to us tonight. In a very simple way, friends, I want to speak to you about three phrases that we have in this passage of Scripture. We read the phrase, the knowledge of the truth. The people to whom this was written had arrived at the knowledge of the truth. And we'll have to ask, what does that mean, the knowledge of the truth? But then we read together that they were in danger of sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So we'll have to ask, what does it mean to sin willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth? And then we were told that those who sinned willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there was for them a certain fearful looking for of judgment. And again we'll ask, what does it mean when it speaks about a certain fearful looking for of judgment? Now let's think of the first of these for a few moments. The knowledge of the truth. It simply means, my friends, that these people had got to know the truth. 
They'd got to know the truth about themselves, first of all. And here, every one of us has to get to know the truth about ourselves. And you might say, what is the truth about ourselves? Well, the Bible tells us the truth about ourselves. And the truth about ourselves is kind of unpalatable. It doesn't make easy reading. The truth about ourselves does not flatter us in any way. The Bible teaches us, my friends, that every one of us have broken God's laws. Every one of us have rebelled against him. The word of God puts it this way, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, my dear friends, God has set a standard, and that standard is absolute perfection. And there's not a person in this congregation tonight who has come up to the perfect standard of God. Every one of us have broken his laws, we've rebelled against him, we are short of his standard, in a word, Every one of us are sinners in the sight of God. The Bible says there is not a just man on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. In other words, you find the most upright citizen in your city tonight, the most respected member of the community. You find the most religious man in town, and even that person is a sinner in the sight of God. Oh, I do trust that this truth will grip your heart in this meeting this evening, my dear friend, no matter who you are, no matter your background, no matter your age, the Bible says we've sinned against a holy God. That, my friend, is the truth about ourselves. But these people had got to know the truth about the Savior. And they'd learned, as they'd attended Christian meetings, all about the Lord Jesus. And it's so important to learn the truth about the Lord Jesus. They got to know that the Lord Jesus Christ was the eternal Son of God. Now, I, I hope you're clear about that. We're not asking you to look to the Lord Jesus as the founder of some religion. We're not asking you to emulate the example that the Lord Jesus set when he was here on earth. We're asking you to believe, first and foremost, that the man known to the world as Jesus of Nazareth was no less a person than the eternal Son of God. He was the great creator. The Bible says, dear soul, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You've been incited tonight to put your faith in the Lord Jesus. We're not asking you to put your trust in someone who's second rate, someone who's under par in any way at all. This is the majestic Son of God we're speaking about, the great creator of the universe. Maybe some of you young people are attending schools and colleges where they tell you that this world came about as a consequence of a tremendous cosmic accident billions of years ago, and they speak about the Big Bang. In our country, we tell the people an explosion in a scrapyard didn't create a Rolls Royce. It never did. Big bangs create chaos. Oh, my dear friend, as you look at this universe and the structure of the universe and the precision of the universe, it all argues that there's a mastermind behind it all, an architect. That was the Lord Jesus. The truth about the Lord Jesus is he's the Son of God, the great creator of the universe. But further, that blessed one came into this world and the truth about the Lord Jesus is he was born of a virgin. Now, that is absolutely unique. You might poo-poo it. You might say it's impossible. My dear friends, the Bible says there is nothing impossible with God. If there's a God at all, there's nothing impossible with him. The Lord Jesus was born of a virgin. 
The truth about the Lord Jesus is he lived a perfect life. That makes him different from you and me. We've seen already tonight that we are sinners. We are guilty. He was stainless. He was spotless. He was pure. He lived for over 30 years in this world. And he was flawless. He lived a perfect life. But we've been hearing tonight that the truth about the Lord Jesus is he died on a cross for our sins. At the end of 33 years they took him and they led him through the old streets of Jerusalem and through the city gate and out to that little mound outside the old city wall. A mound that for all the world resembled a human skull. And so they called it Skull Hill or Golgotha or Calvary. And we've been reading from the Bible tonight that there they crucified him. We sometimes sing from our hymn book at home. Hark, I hear the dull blow, the hammer swung low. They are nailing my Lord to the tree. And the cross they upraise, while the multitude gaze on the blessed lamb of dark Calvary. Oh, my dear friend, I want to tell you again that the Lord Jesus went to that shameful cross. Sometimes when we preach the gospel, we love to sing that familiar old hymn. And it touches my heart every time I sing it. When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Hearer, get a hold of this tonight. No matter who you are, God has loved you. Despite your rebellion, despite your waywardness, God has loved you. God demonstrated his love for you in that remarkable way, the sending of his Son to suffer for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. There's a phrase in the passage that we read that describes what happened at Calvary. It speaks about a sacrifice for sins. I was the guilty one. I was the rebel. I was the failure. I was the sinner. And yet, out of pity for my soul, the dear Son of God went to that shameful cross and poured out his soul unto death. It was a sacrifice for sins. And I want to tell you, my friends, for the salvation of my soul, I am resting on the finished work of Christ. Oh, he didn't say, I am finished. He wasn't finished. Oh, it's true, they would take him down from the cross, tenderly, gently, extract the nails, wind him up in that linen sheet, lay him tenderly in the new tomb. But that wasn't the end of the Lord Jesus. He wasn't finished. Oh, they watched as the stone was rolled to the mouth of the sepulchre. And as they observed, the Romans applied their waxen seal. Dare anyone tamper with the waxen seal of imperial Rome? And then they set the sentries round about the tomb. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, on the third morning, despite the stone, and despite the seal, and despite the soldiers, the tomb was vacant, and the Lord Jesus was alive from the dead, triumphantly. He rose from the tomb. And tonight in the preaching of the gospel, we present to you a living Savior. One who is able 
to radically reform your life. If you trust him, he'll come into your life. He dwells in your heart by faith, the Bible says. And because he's alive, he is able to channel into your life all the power that you need to live a victorious Christian life. He's able to do it because he is alive. My dear friend, above all else in life, you need the living Savior. And the truth about the Lord Jesus is simply this. He died for sins, but then he rose from the grave, and tonight he is able to save those who will trust in him. So they got to know the truth about themselves. They were sinners. They got to know the truth about the Savior. But they got to know the truth about the plan of salvation. You see, many of these people had been brought up in a religious system which demanded them doing all kinds of works getting involved in all kinds of ceremonies. But they'd learn, that's not the way to get saved. That's not the road to heaven. They'd learned that by repenting of their sins and by believing in the one who died and rose again, they would receive the forgiveness of sins, the salvation of the soul, and ultimately land safe on heaven's golden shore. They'd learned about the plan of salvation. Tell me, have you ever learned how you can be saved? Oh, it's not by your good works, not by being religious. Some people attend services only on Good Friday, and maybe you're saying, I'm not like that, you know. Go every week. I even sing in the choir. I take the sacraments. My beloved friend, let me say to you kindly, you could do that from now until your dying day. Then when death comes knocking, drop straight into hell, the lost for the long eternity. Oh, I tell you lovingly in God's name tonight, what you need to do is to repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus. And the Bible calls that experience conversion. I wonder if I could ask, have you been converted to Christ? Have you ever been converted to Christ? Oh, you say, preacher, I was born in such and such a religion and I'll die in that religion. I'm not going to be converted. My friend, I'm not speaking about being converted from one religion to another. Conversion is... Turning from our sins and turning to the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. And if you repent and believe, you'll be converted to him. Have you ever done it? Now we've been saying to you that really there's nothing to do in order to be saved. And in one sense there is nothing to do. God doesn't ask you to contribute anything. You do not contribute one iota to your salvation. The what was done. And we've been rejoicing in that tonight. Oh I love to sing from a book. It is finished. Yes indeed. Finished every jot. Sinner. This is all you need. Tell me. Is it not for the salvation of my soul. I am resting on the finished work of Christ. So there's a sense in which. There's nothing to do. But there is another sense in which there is something to do. You won't get saved unconsciously in other words. You won't go to bed some night unsaved and on the road to hell and waken up in the morning saved and on the road to heaven and it has all happened to you unconsciously. No, no. There is something to do. You've got to repent. You've got to admit to God, I'm guilty, I'm a sinner, I accept your verdict about me and I'm willing with divine help to turn from my sins. You make a clean break with sin. You've got to be willing for that. Repentance. And you've got to be willing to turn to Christ. And you believe in him in your heart. But then you give expression to that by doing what the Bible calls calling upon his name. Now it says you'll never call on his name if you don't first of all believe in him in your heart. 
But having come to the point of believing in your heart, you give expression to that by calling on his name, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever done it? Peter was in great danger one time, and he simply cried out to the Lord Jesus, Lord, save me. And hearer, in a spiritual sense, you are in dreadful danger. And you've been hearing tonight of one who can rescue you, that one who died on the cross and who was raised from the dead. Tonight, if in reality, and if in repentance, you call out to him, Lord, save me, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So these people had got to know the truth, the truth about themselves, they were sinners. The truth about the Savior, he'd offered his life as a sacrifice for sins, and then had been raised from the dead. The truth about the plan of salvation, that by repentance and faith, they could be right with God and ready for heaven. I want to tell you kindly that if you never knew the truth before, you tonight, you have arrived at a knowledge of the truth. You have got to know from the Bible the truth about all these things. So we move on. These people were in danger of sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. Now what does that mean? The specific sin is the sin of unbelief. It's the specific sin of rejecting the Lord Jesus. And there's just the possibility that in this large congregation there are men and women and young people and you have known the truth for a time and you are in danger of sinning willfully. You are in danger of rejecting the Lord Jesus. Now our verses tell us that if you do that, you really trample underfoot the Son of God. That's a sobering thing, isn't it? The Son of God, the greatest person in the whole of the universe, and by rejecting him, in effect, you're treading him underfoot. Serious. The Bible tells us that if you sin willfully by rejecting him, in effect, you're counting his blood common. The blood that he shed was precious blood. Our hopes for eternity really hinge on what he did when he died on the cross. And if you sin willfully by rejecting the Lord Jesus, you're saying in effect, I see no value in the death of Christ. Would you treat his sufferings like that? All our sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him, believing we are free. And you are saying, no, I'll keep him at arm's length. I'm unwilling to receive the Lord Jesus. And you count his blood as being unholy, common, ordinary. You reject the value of the death of the Lord Jesus. Our verses tell us too, that if you sin willfully, you are insulting the Spirit of grace. Now that is the Holy Spirit. And friends, the Holy Spirit gets busy in human lives. And he deals with people. And it could be that in this meeting, there are individuals with whom the Holy Spirit has been dealing. It could be that in the gathering, there are people who feel guilty. Conscience troubles you. Sleepless nights. A sense of guilt. That's because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. There's nothing natural about it. The Holy Spirit is plowing up your conscience. Could be that in the meeting, there are people who, when they think about eternity, it strikes terror into their souls, and the thought of meeting God makes them quail. 
Now, there's nothing natural about that. That's because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and impressing upon you the reality of eternal issues. Could be there are those who are experiencing a great battle in the mind. And the Holy Spirit has been pleading with you to trust Christ for salvation. The devil whispers in your ear, if you get saved, you'll lose all your friends. And the Holy Spirit says, but look, your friends might laugh you into hell. They'll never laugh you back out again. And the devil says, but you'll lose all your pleasures if you get saved. I mean, the things you're doing are inconsistent with a Christian profession. They would need to go if you were to trust Christ. You'll lose all your pleasures. And the Holy Spirit says, are you going to barter pleasures forevermore at God's right hand for the tawdry, worthless, empty, sinful, temporary pleasures of this life? And the battle rages. And sometimes there are sleepless nights. And friends, the Bible says that you could resist the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. I've had people sit in meetings and they've experienced the tussle, the battle that I've just described. And you go back a while later and they haven't a care about their souls. They've no thought about meeting God and getting saved. It's the furthest thing from their minds. What has happened? I fear that God's spirit has ceased to strive with them. They have insulted the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of grace. He's ever so tender. He pleads, he longs for you to get saved. But by sinning willfully in rejecting Christ, you are insulting the spirit of grace. And for those who sin willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there's nothing for them but a fearful looking for of judgment. Hades, hell, when you die. The great white throne of judgment when you're raised. The lake of fire forever and ever. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg of you, make up your mind to trust the Savior tonight. Your attitude to the Lord Jesus determines where you will be forever. You've got to know the truth. You've heard about a God who loved you and about a Savior who died and finished the work. And you say tonight, no other hope, no other plea. He took my place and died for me. O oh, precious Lamb of Calvary, he took my place and died for me. That's right. It's not only important to know the truth, but we must respond to it as well. The truth of the Bible is that we are sinners, but that God loves us and sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty our sins deserve. By acknowledging the truth, truly repenting of our sins, and receiving Christ as Savior, we have eternal life. But if our response is to ignore or reject what we've heard, then we are basically turning down our only hope and will sadly enter into eternity with sins unforgiven. Which response will it be for you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls 
Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <music>